You're listening to The Public Sector Show by Tech Tables, a podcast dedicated to sharing human-centric stories from CIOs and technology leaders across the city, county, state, and federal agencies, joining in the conversation and touching the hearts and minds of leaders across technology today. From mission-driven leadership to cloud, AI to cybersecurity, workforce challenges, and more, never miss insights from peers and vendor partners across the public sector. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to techtables.com and drop your email to subscribe. New podcast episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday, along with weekly behind-the-mic newsletter. And one of today's podcast sponsors is Tech Tables Plus, an engaging new community where you can have early access to never-before-released episodes, early access to live event recordings, early access to weekly three interesting learnings, early access to live event ticket purchases, no episode ads, and more, plus three extra special bonuses when you sign up today. Bonus number one, access to the CEO show. Bonus number two, access to the Higher Ed Show. And bonus number three, access to the Digital Show. Join Tech Tables Plus today. As always, thank you for supporting the Tech Tables Network. Today we have Jorge Cardenas, Director of Enterprise Applications and Acting CIO for the City of Brownsville. Jorge, welcome to the Public Sector Show by Tech Tables. Thank you, Joe. Happy to be here. Yeah, excited that we were able to get you on so quickly. Really excited to have you today. And for those of you who don't know you and for the audience, could you just provide a little bit of context on your background and the history with the city of Brownsville? Yes, definitely. So really quick, you know, they've been working for the military. I worked for eight years. After that, I worked about eight years in the Department of Defense, an additional four years in the public sector. And so I have a lot of experience on how, you know, the best practice from the military DOD on the systems. And now here in the city of Bronzeville, acting as the CIO for the city, you know, my title, like you said, is enterprise application director, but I oversee all the operations for the city of Bronzeville, which is growing tremendously. And that's the reason, you know, I am here. Yeah, that, that, that is fantastic. So you spent eight years in the military. Thank you for serving. Thank you. Yeah, really appreciate it. What was the transition like from that type of service to kind of where you're at today in the city of Brownsville? Was it a big jump? Was it a small jump? Were you already doing this type of stuff in the military? Maybe just probably a little bit more context on your background. Uh, Definitely. So I think the transition was not as difficult as some people might think. When I was hired here, that was one of the questions the city manager asked me. How do you think you're going to adapt to the, you know, to the local government coming from DOD, military and private sector? I think IT and a lot of, you know, IT leaders can, you know, agree with me. IT is IT, wherever you go, right? You have the same uh, infrastructure infrastructure is to build in a an organization and the difference is that you just have to treat it different when it's private than when it's government so here the city is more like a dod environment we are a .gov so so we do especially me i'm not sure how other it leaders in the local government you know handle their environment. But me, I'm treating it more like a DOD environment where I want to make sure that all my infrastructure is secure, is, you know, and is working at its highest performance. Yeah, no, that's really great. So one of the things that has been mentioned in the news is just where the city of Brownsville has been at 
And I'll use the term, lots of room for improvement <laughs> based on all the news articles and everything I've cut up. And, but city of Brownsville is taking action, which is fantastic. And there's been a lot of funding that's been coming in, which is really great. Could you maybe talk about the city struggles from the infrastructure and speed of technology side to where you see the future, we'll call in the next five years with the city of Brownsville where you'll be able to have a lot more learnings and insights and kind of where you're taking the city of Brownsville today. Yes. So, so I think, as you mentioned, the city is in the next five to 10 years is going to grow tremendously. I mean, we have SpaceX here and we can already see the type of development they are, you know, bringing into to the economy of the city. Then we have a new city manager who she is very focus on developing the growing the economy and making sure that we bring as many businesses as possible to the city. So with that being said, is the my core infrastructure here internally in the city of Bronzeville, in order for us to sustain that growth, we have to first have a great foundation here in, in the city of Brownsville, right? We can, you know, a lot of common word nowadays is smart cities, but really what is a smart city and how can you sustain the, right, the speed of growth with your infrastructure. So I think that's why I came here to, with my experience, you know, around the world and the military at DOD, uh, bringing in that experience and building that foundation so that we can actually support the growth in the future, uh, making sure that foundation has to be, is critical for the growth. Yeah. And something that's interesting that you brought up that I see is when there's really high growth in the local economy, it does bring up what you need, what a lot of folks have to address, which is having that great foundation, especially on the infrastructure side, uh, on the broadband side. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And I see that I was talking to, and I know I still got to introduce you to Ramundo Rodolfo out in the city of Coral Gables, but he's and on our podcast was really great is the city of Coral Gables is right next to Miami. And so I didn't realize this, but there's so much traffic that goes into Miami. It's like, hmm. there's kind of like this, like mini second city of citizens that are constantly passing through. City of Brownsville is a little bit like that. We were talking about offline the first time because there's a lot of traffic between the city of Brownsville, and Mexico of folks going back and forth. So even if you don't live there, the traffic that's happening is still happening in the city which I thought is actually super fascinating. So what are maybe some of your favorite, once you lay the foundation, what are some of like the favorite projects or vision that you have of like, hey, we would love to implement X, Y, Z once we get the foundation in order? I think the, and you know, right now I'm actually working in parallel with the city manager's office on on and you as you mentioned the traffic right because as the city grow the we have to really think about the infrastructure of the city where do we build where can we you know add new businesses and things like that that will affect the traffic so so right now we're working with a company to try to help us on the research and development. You know, next month we have a visit in Dallas at one of the research and development centers where we want to learn, you know, live on what other cities are doing, how it has, you know, their growth impacted their economic and like you mentioned, the 
the roads, the connectivity. So to me, that is very important. So once that foundation is there, I think we need to move to the next level of using artificial intelligence to to address some of those traffic issues, connectivity, the traffic lights, you know, automating and, and connecting every single IoT around the city. That That is, you know, one of the next steps, you know, in my path. Yeah, yeah. I think the traffic is a really great low-hanging fruit, only in the sense that there's so many great use cases for it, but you can't get there unless you have the infrastructure right. set up, which leads us to the hundred million dollar broadband project, uh, which is fantastic. We highlighted a little bit about that. Did you want to maybe go a little bit deeper on the hundred million dollar broadband project? How long is that going to take? Maybe the different stages? Um, I know the city of Brownsville is pretty excited about this. Yes. So yes, it's a big project, you know, hundred miles, hundred million, over a hundred million dollars invested in this project. We will pretty much have you know, the all the city connected in, in, in one single ISP. And how this is going to affect this, the people in the city, it's going to be amazing seeing all those kids in school connected at home, right? I think the pandemic brought that up to, you know, highlighted and emphasized how how critical a connection is to not just for businesses, but to, to those at home who have small kids that, you know, need a connection to do their homework for parents that cannot afford a internet line at their home. Now we're bringing in, you know, this ISP that's going to be affordable. It's with a redundant connection. It's something that, that you know, be an additional resource for them. And then on, on companies, you know, cities, I passed through here a few years back and I was managing a company, a manufacturing company in the IT department. And I was trying to, you know, bring in fiber or a connection, internet connection to my, to that warehouse. And it was, couldn't find a provider that, that was giving me what I needed. So, so this is five years ago and I ended up getting a internet connection. It was a DSL line of 10 megs, <laughs> you know, right now we, with this new broadband, we are bringing in up to one gig up and down. And, you know, is the infrastructure is very solid. It can, it will, we will have room for growth. We will have, you know, for the future as the city grow, you know, more people will want the connection and it just is a redundant, you know, plan. You said 10 megs just for the, you said 10, I don't remember the last time I was on 10 megs, but <laughs> it was a while, it was a while ago. Yeah. So this is a fantastic project and I think the use case is great for the kids. I coach high school basketball. So I always joke when folks are talking about, you know, putting in broadband and trying to upgrade infrastructure. I see the kind of the end use, which is mm -hmm. kids, they got iPads, they're doing their homework. Most of them are doing their homework. Not all, most of them are doing their homework. And, but I always love it because I think you get the high level of, we want to, you know, upgrade the infrastructure. We could talk about speed, but, you know, a lot of times the use case of having kids being connected is super important. And that way that they, they have the ability to move with technology because that's where the world is going. Yeah. So, and I think there's about 300,000 citizens. I don't know how many of those are kids or, or families or college students or you name it, but I'm sure it is quite a bit. And so this will be a massive upgrade for the city of Brownsville. So I know a lot of folks are looking forward to 
the next couple of years are going to be exciting. Yeah, definitely. And, and to add on, you know, in the previous question that what is some of the next initiatives that I have once I have foundation? The other one is, you know, having our own private 5G connection using our middle mile and last mile broadband, right? So so that we can not only have those citizens connected with a wire, now we're going to have them connected, you know, around the city, anywhere around the city. So now you talk about buses, the kids in the park, the trails, you know, I- anywhere. Yeah. Oh, no, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I, and I actually go pretty deep on, uh, on one of my past episodes. This is a while ago, but on 5G slicing, setting up private networks and all that stuff with Samuel Navarro. I'll have to link to that podcast in the show notes. Just going to jot that down for those who are listening on the audio. Great. So during, while we were prepping for our interview, there was a quote that I caught by Mayor Mendez, who I believe is just decided not to run again. So there's going to be a new mayor coming into the city of Brownsville, I think, later this year. But the quote caught me said, really, I think the big story here is the collaboration that we're able to build with everyone in the community. That's the hardest part. Uh, Jorge, can you maybe talk about, you know, you're having to work with the city manager's office. You're going to see a lot on the ground. A lot of teams deal with the same exact stuff. You talk about getting buy-in and collaborating with other major stakeholders, um, both to not only fund the initiatives, but also to you know make your pitch for what you see the vision of technology in for the city of Brownsville. Could you maybe talk about the collaboration piece in Brownsville? Yes, and like I said, I think the previous city manager did a great job on creating that foundation for all the stakeholders here to have, you know, try to work together, collaborate. And now the new city manager, she is really on point and making sure that everybody knows what is happening, right? I think that's critical. If all the executive directors know what is happening in the city and the why, right? They need to know the why things are being done and how it will affect the future of the growth of the city. So, you know, continuous collaboration and pretty much every meeting talk about the plans. We know we meet weekly on, on what is it that is happening in each department, how we can help each other, and then just making sure that we have a great team here the change management team where every time a change just needs to be implemented, it goes through it. And then pretty much we create a presentation for the team and say, look, this is happening and this is why, how it will affect you and, you know, how it will help the, really the city, not just the department. So everything is that we do here is thinking about the group, not just individual. Yeah, I love that. There's a, there's a phrase uh, people, process, and technology. And uh, as my friend J.R. Sloan, the CIO in the city of Arizona says, that's why people come first yeah. in the people, process, and technology. Let's, we can wrap this up. Jorge, with all the new infrastructure development, you know, you may just talk about the cybersecurity and network security plans to help secure. I mean, I know we're getting all the infrastructure in, but we're going to have to secure, I think, every single day or every other day. There's some attack on a city or a part of the city. Um, How are you thinking about that to keep the city secure from ransomware and other attacks? I think, you know, that that was, that's my strong wheel right there because coming from the DOD, you know, we, we have to stay within guidelines, right? We are governed by DISA and they here in the States is CISA. So, so we have to make sure that we hit every checkbox in there 
to upgrade our systems, make sure that the infrastructure is as new as possible, and, and then we don't have any equipment that is obsolete. From what I've seen and read on some of the hackings on the cities, I think I have noticed that the, one of the main reasons the, they being hacked is because they have outdated systems and they're not maintaining them. Right. So my my thing is making sure that I update all my current systems and upgrade whatever is it that is in of life and of service. And the second one, the third one is making sure that whatever device I implement, uh, it is has latest security patches, the latest and greatest configurations to not only protect the city, but to optimize the transport of Internet throughout the city. Yeah, no, that is no, that is really great. So you mentioned this was this is kind of your wheelhouse on the cybersecurity front. Could you maybe just go a little bit deeper around the type of work that you were doing that you can publicly talk about when you were at the DoD? Um, yeah, right definitely. Now? So, so one of the things is you know starts at the very top with we have a change management system. Nothing really gets changed unless it goes through a, the board, right? So the CIO needs to make sure that the change that will be made. It's not going to affect the infrastructure. Um, the other one that, we, like I said, we look hard and we get audited. I think that's one thing that additional that we need to do internally. Uh, you know, conduct semi-annual audits on our systems and make sure that whatever CISA or DISA is coming out with the new patches, the new configurations, security configurations, the updates that they are recommending, we, we have to make sure that those are applied in our environment. And because that's what is done on the DOD. I have a group of, I have a network architect, I have a system architect, two senior network and one senior system admin that I brought in from the DOD. They worked with me before. They know the best practice on how to implement and how to upgrade the system. So so I think that's where it gets to, you know, like I said, upgrading, maintaining, and, and always improving. Yeah, no, I really like that background that you can then bring to where you're at in the city of Brownsville right now, understanding the process, understanding security, understanding everything that you mentioned at the federal level and taking that to uh, the city level, which I think is absolutely great. So let's end with a Harvard Business Review article that I saw you post or like or celebrate. One of those, <laughs> can't remember. The problem was saying, don't bring me solution. Don't bring me problems. Bring me solutions. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear your insights around that. What did you like about it? I think kind of what stood out to me was like not every problem has an easy solution. Yeah. But I'd love to hear how you think about, you know, complexity and dealing with hard problems. So, so I'm big on leadership, right? I think that's my second strong wheel, the leadership, team building, you know, building unstoppable teams, right? So one of the things that coming my background from the military, I always tell my team that, you know, it is okay to not know something, right? I tell them when you come to me, you know, make sure that you already, if you, there's a problem, you come to me, make sure that you do your research. And if there is no way you can figure it out, then you come to me, right? But I want to get them in the, that mentality where they can 
do things on their own. But as you read that article, it says, you know, sometimes when you say, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions, it, it misses the empowerment, right? Because now the guy can be or the person, the guy or girl can be, man, do I really want to go tell them that I, I don't know how to do this, right? It just kind of puts them in that spot that doesn't allow them to grow. So so to me, it's a bring me problems, bring, you know, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. But if you get to, if you spend more than four hours and you cannot figure it out, bring it up to somebody else and ask for help. It is okay not to know. Yeah, my, my personal take on, on this, working with folks, we actually have this in our hiring mm -hmm. description, is the ability to Google your way out of a problem. And so... For me, I love that. I not, and I 100% agree. You definitely want to be there to help your team and empower them. Um, I think step one is always Google. First, you kind of need clear expectations. So if you don't have clear expectations, then that's just on you as a leader. But after you have clear expectations and you start diving in, I think it's super empowering when when people can start to think through problems. And then when you've spent some time, then going, hey, I'm stuck. I don't know how to do this. You Google your way out. You could stack mm -hmm. overflow your way out. There's a lot you, There's a lot of yeah. hacks you've got to do before you kind of come. But, yeah, you definitely want that safe zone, safe area for your team members to feel like, hey, I don't know this. I'm definitely. Gonna and, you know, you just have to make them feel comfortable. You have to let them know. You know, what you hit the nail, you have to have the expectations, right? What is expected from that person? And, you know, one quick story is like I was telling my supervisor here that, you know, in my 21 plus years in IT, I have never fired a person that, that, that has worked for me. You know, I always try to understand their leadership style, understand their way of doing things. And we just, you know, help them adapt their way with my way. But with the end, you know, the goal is the same, right? The goal, the expectation is the same, but it's just maybe in a different way. Yeah, no, I like that you're big on a big on leadership. I'm a big Jocko oh, yeah. fan. Love so, that guy. Yeah, I love Jocko. Gone to a couple of his leadership events, which are like mm -hmm. totally phenomenal. One of the one of my favorite sayings he has, actually got a on my wrist bracelet, one of them. Discipline equals freedom, which is always great. So yeah, I think it starts with the leader, ends with the leader. This might be a separate, this is probably a separate podcast, but on leadership, on team development. But I love, yeah, I love talking about this kind of stuff. Jorge, is there anything else that you would love to leave the audience with before we jump off? Could be a book you're reading, could be a podcast you're listening to. Anything else that you'd love yeah, to do the audience uh, I mean, with today? Yeah, I love to to read. I got over 400 books in, you know, at home. I actually got two here with me, and one of them is Unstoppable Teams. I really recommend that one because it, it really talks about, you know, your leadership styles and what is re leadership, you know. And in that book, they pretty much define leadership as the ability to build relationships, right? So, so that's that. And the last thing is. You know, to anybody listening that, you know, it is okay not to know, right? It is okay not to know. There are people out there that, that know how to do it. You just have to find that person. You just have to do a little bit more research. So, you know, I think I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I love that. We got Unstoppable Teams, the four essential actions of high-performance leadership. 
I've not read that one. I will have to put on the list of my ever-growing, <laughs> massively <laughs> growing book list. One of the books I'm reading that I kicked off right now is The Culture Code, which I am really liking a lot right now on the same themes. So for the audience listening in, The Culture, Gro- Culture Code, The Secrets of Highly Successful Groups, another really great one. And, and then I think the last part, yeah, I love the question piece. So I was thinking about this, not being afraid to ask questions. And we see this with high schoolers on the team. And what they end up doing is they will ask questions during like game time, during the play. That's the wrong time to ask the question. (laughs) You ask it during practice. And so we had, I won't call out the senior (laughs) on the podcast, but we had a senior who was like, Hey, how did we run Cincinnati? I'm like, you've been in the program 40 years. This is the last game of the season. And you're asking us how to run this play. I was laughing pretty hard at him. I had to give him a big hug afterwards. But yeah, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, And ask them early. Because you never want to be asking a question after maybe something happened. So being proactive, asking questions, being engaged, all real good stuff. So... Thanks for coming on, Jorge, today. I'm going to link to Unstoppable Teams in the podcast show notes when this comes out. Uh, And looking forward to sharing this episode and meeting you in person. The Houston Live Podcast Tour. I'll be out there. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for the time. And hey, it was a pleasure being here. Awesome. Yeah, have a fantastic day. You're listening to The Public Sector Show by Tech Tables, a podcast dedicated to sharing human-centric stories from CIOs and technology leaders across the city, county, state, and federal agencies, joining in the conversation and touching the hearts and minds of leaders across technology today. From mission-driven leadership to cloud, AI to cybersecurity, workforce challenges, and more, never miss insights from peers and vendor partners across the public sector. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to techtables.com and drop your email to subscribe. New podcast episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday, along with weekly behind the mic newsletter. And one of today's podcast sponsors is Tech Tables Plus, an engaging new community where you can have early access to never before released episodes, early access to live event recordings, early access to weekly three interesting learnings, early access to live event ticket purchases, no episode ads and more, plus three extra special bonuses when you sign up today. Bonus number one, access to the CEO show. Bonus number two, access to the Higher Ed Show. And bonus number three, access to the Digital Show. Join Tech Tables Plus today. As always, thank you for supporting the Tech Tables Network.